see how broken you are. That you don't tell anyone what you're struggling with. Our identities inform not only who we are, but why we are. That's almost an even bigger question. What are the implications of your identity? Once we discover truly our identity, what does that mean about us? What does that mean about what we are to do? Who are you? This isn't our first Peter passage, but this is key. Because beginning of our passage today starts with three words. But you are. So we have to ask that question. Who are you? Well, Genesis 127, from the very beginning. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created us as humans, uniquely in his image. All human beings have an intrinsic value by being image bearers of God. All human beings have this incredible value and essence to us. Just by the very fact, when we were going through uh, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we're going to jump back into the Sermon on the Mount next week, but when we were in Matthew 5 and we looked at uh, how God, how Jesus says that if we insult another person, rock a fool, uh, that we are in danger of, of hellfire. And we talked about the reason that is, is because people are created in the image of God, and to insult that image is to insult God. There's something important about that. The beginning of this series, we talked about the greatest commandment that Jesus was asked uh, by uh, religious leaders. What is the greatest commandment? And his, and his answer was to love the Lord your God, your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then there was a second. So kids, pay attention. We're about to get to your bulletin. There was a second commandment that's on your bulletin, kids. And that second commandment, as we look here, Jesus answers in, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And there, this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right, so kids, on the kids' bulletin, you'll see there, if we love God, we must love others just as if they were our sisters or brothers. Everybody say it all at once. One, two, three. All right, good job, kids. Good job. Brothers, that's right. That's the answer there. Our, our brothers. So when we talk image of God issues, and I do want to just stop for a second and help you understand what I mean when I say image of God issues. If all human beings are created in the image of God, if we're all image bearers, then there are sorts of social issues that matter. Abortion matters. Because the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are knit together in our mother's womb. That God knew us before we even existed. That that automatically that child, that baby inside the belly is an image bearer created for the glory of God. And we live in a time where we take individualism over identity. 
We, we hold the individual right and choice over our identity. And one of the songs we sang, it said that this life you gave is not my own. We must all understand that the life that God gave us is not our own, nor is any other life ours. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, it continues further to talk about that if we were to slay someone, we are slaying the image of God, and this is not okay. And so it is important that we understand, we understand the depravity of what abortion is. Now, I want to pause for a moment to say statistics tell me there's probably someone in this room that's had an abortion. And I want you to know that you are loved deeply by God. And there is nothing that can't be forgiven. And this is not meant to beat you up. This is not meant to harm you in any way emotionally. This is meant for all of us to understand the importance of what it means to be an image bearer. And if you're struggling with that, I'd love for you to let me know that so I can pray with you on that. And maybe even connect you with somebody else that's walked that, that can walk that with you. You can carry each other's burdens. If you've walked that and you've found victory in Jesus through it, please let me know that so I can point you to somebody else that still hasn't found victory there. Image of God issues go into other things like racism and racial issues. As that continues to have tension in our country, we, we have decided, uh, unfortunately, to, to instead of see each other as image bearers, see each other as right or wrong. And, and we judge people based off of whether we think their stance is correct or not, when that is not the qualifier as to whether we are in the image of God. We are in the image of God by the very nature of being human. God has created us as humans, and so all humans are created in His image. And sadly, the church is still one of the most segregated institutions in this country. And I, for one, do not think that is acceptable. I do not think it is. I think the church ought to be the one place the world looks to figure out how to handle differences. It ought to happen in the church. We ought to be the example of what treating each other as the image of God looks like. There are all sorts of things that we're blind to, like human trafficking. Jacksonville, Florida, is in the top three of cities in America for human trafficking. This is not some foreign country issue that is far removed from our lives. This is happening right around us every day. And we have wonderful organizations like the Florida Baptist Children's Home has the Porchlight Ministry where they rescue young ladies from human trafficking and rehabilitate them and help them get back into normal life. But it's incredibly expensive and challenging to do so. We ought to care about those things. Bullying. I mean, just as simple as bullying people, picking on people. Honestly, the way we talk about people that we disagree with on Facebook disgusts me sometimes. I'm not saying agree with people. I'm just saying treat them like the image of God that they are. All of these things play in to our identity 
just as human beings, but our identity as the redeemed goes even deeper than this. When we have been redeemed by Christ, we have a rich identity. So now to start our passage. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race. This is already, we're going to stop for a second. This is in comparison to what's going on in verses 7 and 8 and even a little bit in 6, really mainly 8, when it talks about those who are uh, disobedient to God's word because they were destined to be disobedient to God's word. And it's contrasting us from those people as children of God uh, and it's setting us apart as those. That and it, and it gives this list that I want to take a little time to walk through in verse 9. But you, there's a list here. <clears throat> but, and it's an incredible list that Peter is, is referencing Old Testament uh, language over and over and over and over and over in here. These are not just unique words that, that Peter's coming up with. I mean, he is, he is coming back to some rich Old Testament text when he does this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him, and then more back to our identity, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So our identity as human beings is people who are created as image bearers of God. But as those who have been called out of darkness and into the light, as those who have taken their life and laid it down on the altar and said, this is no longer I who live, I have been crucified in Christ and I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And it's not just walking down an aisle, it's not just praying a prayer, and it's not just getting dunked by the pastor. It is laying your life and every aspect of your life down at the feet of Jesus, emptying yourself before him, and the great exchange of him then giving you his life. This is what we talk about when we say the redeemed. Don't, don't get it twisted. Don't think that this is something small. Don't think that this is just some nod to God. So sort of like, yeah, I, I appreciate God. Yeah, I got faith in him. This is a dying to self, laying that life down. This is that greatest commandment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every, it's all-encompassing. It's every aspect of who you are because left to yourself, you are in darkness. But God calls you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. And that becomes your identity, not where you work, not who you know, not what you have, not what you can do. You come empty, not, listen, your identity. Some of us don't have our identity wrapped in good things. Some of us have our identity wrapped in things that have happened to us, bad things or bad choices that we've made. We get to lay that down at the altar too. See, it sounds difficult when I say lay down your job, lay down your family, lay down your abilities and possessions, but we who have been called out of darkness get to lay down our darkness. We get to lay down everything about us and receive a new identity as the redeemed, as a child of God. So, all right, kids, on your bulletin, we're going to skip to not the second one, but to the third one. And we're going to come back to the second one. What it means to be redeemed is to give God our soul and mind, and love will fill your heart. You'll, one, two, three... That's right. You'll find. You'll find. Give to God your soul and mind, and love will fill your heart. You'll find. 
See, we could talk about the importance of loving people, and we will. But understand that we love because he first loved us. That theologically, there has to be an understanding here. You can be a decent person and not know the Lord, but you cannot love people the way that God has called you to. This week, uh, Chris and I got to meet a young man. You may have heard about him on the news a while back who was uh, running on, in Orange Park on, uh, by Wells Road and, uh, and was hit by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. I don't know if you remember it on the news a while back. Uh, we got to meet him and, uh, and have lunch with him and talk to him here. I mean, you can see the scars all over his head. His, his teeth are, are messed up. He showed us the scar on his arm. It's in, in, insane. And this guy just, I mean, and not only did he just run over, but this guy was a, a track runner with, with a great potential. Uh, I mean, he really could have maybe gone somewhere. He had some incredible uh, uh, records and, and track and, and all these things. And he's out running track, practicing, and, and gets nailed 70 miles an hour. And he talks about struggling in the hospital when his whole body was in a cast. And he couldn't move. And he told us about struggling to forgive the guy who ran over him. And when it came time for the court case, they got him. And the judge asked him, would you like to say anything? And he said he stood up and everybody's looking at him, ready for him to just chew this guy out. Because, I mean, just, they, were, they were supposed to cut both of his legs off, his left arm. But by the grace of God, they didn't have to cut any of that off. He was healed for the most part, but he'll never run like he used to. But he stood up, and he hobbled in front of everybody, and he looked at him, and he called him by name, and he said, I want you to know that I love you, and that Jesus loves you more than I ever could, and I forgive you. That, that doesn't happen without the grace of God transforming you without you recognizing your identity without you recognizing how much you have been loved by God because when he was struggling to forgive this man who ran over him what he said what changed his heart what changed his mind is when the Lord said but think of everything I've forgiven you of think of how much I've forgiven you and it becomes much easier to forgive and to love even our enemies when we give God our heart, our soul, and our mind, and love will fill your heart, you'll find. The redeemed, let's go through the list, are a chosen race. Deuteronomy ten fifteen. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. We are a chosen race of God. I need you to understand, Christians, that biblically there are only two races. Now, there are many ethnicities. This is not to say we should say things. I really don't think we should say things like, oh, I don't see color or I'm colorblind. I, I don't think God made a mistake when he made different ethnicities. I think there's a beauty to the cultures and differences of all ethnicities. And those things should be celebrated and enjoyed And so there are many ethnicities, ta ethne, the Bible calls them. But there are only two races. There are the race of the first Adam, which are still in sin, and the race of the redeemed, who have been washed by the blood of Christ, the second Adam, Jesus. Those are the two races. There are the chosen race, 
and those who have chosen to not be a part of it. Those are the two races. Now, there are many ethnicities, and there's a beauty to that. But what that means for us theologically, believer, is there should be a love for all people created in the image of God, but there should be a special love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what they look like, no matter how they do life and how they worship. As long as it's true and it's towards God, there should be a deep affection towards our brothers and sisters. The redeemed are God's possession, a holy nation, and a royal priesthood. There's three of them. I'm going to take you, I could take you to so many passages, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to take you to one to cover all three of those. Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. So understand, you don't just get to say, oh, I prayed a prayer, and I'm a child of God, I am redeemed, and then go live your life the way that you want to live it. It is a laying down of yourself. Part of the identity of being a child of God, of the redeemed, is understanding that your life is not your own. You don't get to cling to any aspect of that. Listen, this is difficult. You don't get to cling to your occupation. You don't get to cling to your abilities. You don't get to cling to your family. You don't get to cling to any aspect of this. You cling only to the identity of being a child of God, of being redeemed. If, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, ye shall be my treasured, possession among all peoples for the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel earlier in first peter 2 it talks about how we are precious to god we are precious to god uh, several weeks ago uh, i had a meeting with some people and we were talking through some things and uh, it's not often I get to drop some wisdom from my daughter, but I'm going to do so. My daughter, you never know what she's going to say, but sometimes there's some just beautiful nuggets there. We're in this meeting, we're talking about some, some tension between some people, and, and my daughter just happened to be in there listening in, and she, she raised her hand very politely, and I said, yes, Magnolia. And she said, if people would just follow Jesus, everything would be okay. And we all said, you know, that's really true. But what was amazing, then she goes, if, if people. And I thought, that's a pretty powerful and big if. That's a pretty powerful and big if there. Just like it's an if, you will indeed obey my voice. If we will follow the teachings of Jesus, if we will find our identity in Jesus, it really does play out to God's glory and our good. But our identity doesn't just mean who we are. It also has a lot to do with what we do. So our identity comes from what has happened to us in the sense that God has chosen us. God has, has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That, that God considers us precious. That God values us. That's where your identity is. So no matter how screwed up you think you are, you are beautiful and precious and loved in the eyes of God. But our identity also leads to action. Head. Heart. 
hands and our habits. The redeemed have been called out for a purpose. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in the first week of the series, we went to Colossians 1, and and Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. When we understand our identity, here's the reason you wrap your identity in your job is because it's where you find your purpose. You have found your purpose in what you do for a living and providing for your family or being good at it or getting accolades and praise there and and, and climbing the ladder and serving some greater purpose at your job. And your job may have some great purpose, but even I as a pastor can get wrapped up in this identity of my occupation rather than my identity in a chi- as a child of God. And when I find my purpose in being a good pastor rather than being a child of God, I will miss what God has for me. And so will you when you find your purpose and your identity in things other than glorifying God. We go through a, a kid's catechism with, uh, with my children, uh, training hearts and teaching minds. And, and the first question is, what is man's primary purpose? And so I'm going to call my kids out real quick. One of you, will you raise your hand, Trip or Cash? All right, Trip, go for it. What is, Trip, go for it. What is man, you can just say it. You say it loud enough for everybody to hear you right now. What is man's primary purpose? Man's primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy God. Amen, amen. All right. Man's primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's your purpose. That's why you are. That's why you have a job. That's why you have a family. That's why you have a spouse. That's why you have abilities. That's, listen, if you are using your life for any other purpose, you are missing your identity. You, have, you are in an identity crisis If you are choosing your own individual preferences over serving and glorifying God, you are in an identity crisis, not understanding who you are and who other people are. But we are called to proclaim Christ with our word and our deed. All right, kids, on your bulletin, go to the second line. We skipped it before. We're going to come back to it right now, the second line. Show to others that you care Let your love shine one, two, three. Everywhere. That's right, everywhere. Show to others that you care. Let your love shine everywhere. We should let our love shine to all people, all places, because that's what God's called us to do. God has called us specifically to take his story, to take his glory everywhere and to all peoples, ta ethne, all ethnicities, all across the world, that we are to take that everywhere. The redeemed have been called to love people with truth and mercy. 1 Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I just want to show you something real quick. I want you to understand the the Old Testament allusions here that I'm not going to go long into it, but you can study it deep. 
Uh, one, the nature of the Old Testament book. We can't study it with children in the room. We're going to look at Hosea for just a second. And if you don't know what Hosea is about, it's about a man, a prophet of God, who's been called to love a woman of ill repute. That's all I'm going to say with little ears in the room. As a woman of ill repute, he's been called to make her his wife as a prophet of God and as part of showing God's love for Israel and how Israel constantly chooses to give their love to others like his wife does. His wife's name was Gomer, and she constantly chose to give her love to others rather than to Hosea, that God calls Hosea to continue to love her. But he does something interesting in the way that they name their children, that this is what Peter's talking about when he says, now remember what Peter says here in verse 10, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Understand, understanding the story of Hosea, and understanding that in the story of Hosea, your role is Gomer. Your, 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 the picture that you play, the part you play in the story of Hosea is Gomer, the woman who chooses to love others rather than her husband. Because this is how we constantly live our lives, by loving other things rather than God, right? So in their children, he does something interesting with the names. I'm going to read through Hosea 1, 6-9. Pay attention. Remember, I want to read again the first Peter thing. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now see what Hosea has him name his children. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. And I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or or by horsemen. And when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name Not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. When the Bible says we are birthed in iniquity, we are children of disobedience, Paul tells us. We are the byproduct of sin. Every one of us are not only sinners in our own right and choices, but we have inherited sin in our lives. And just like God had Hosea name his children, no mercy, and not my people. But there is no hope without God. Fortunately, God gives hope. So now let's go to Hosea 2, 20-23, and we see the hope. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, then wine, then oil. And they shall answer Jezreel, the other, the other child, And listen, and I will show her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. We should show mercy because we have been shown great mercy. We should treat people like people. Because we were not a people, but have been made a people, a chosen people, a chosen race, a a royal priesthood able to petition God. I mean, you catch that we went from being enemies of God to being able to petition God, to be able to ask Him for things, to be able to talk to Him openly without fear of Him smiting us for our sin because we've been washed in the blood and made able to approach the throne with confidence of his grace and his mercy. The word mercy in 1 Peter, it's a verb, but mercied doesn't really work out as a verb in the English. But you've been mercied. 
by God. You were no mercy. You were not a people. You were burst in iniquity, children of disobedience. So listen, I don't know what baggage you bring with you to Jesus. But his love can conquer it all. So don't let that get in the way of a deep and intimate relationship with the Lord. We should let God's love encompass everything we do, how we treat everyone we meet, how we see everything, for this is our purpose. Kids, the fourth line in your bulletin. In all we do, we show our love for Jesus and our God. One, two, three. All right, one, two, three. There you go. In all we do, we show our love for Jesus and our God above. In all we do. It is our purpose in every aspect of our lives. In all we do. Lastly, the redeemed have been called to love people through action and sacrifice. If you continue on a little bit, and just two more verses in 1 Peter, verse 11 and 12, I just want to show you one quick thing before we close. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So the first thing is to abstain from fleshly desires, but then the second, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Not only should everything we do be about honoring the Lord and showing the love of God to others. Um, We should show our love for others. See, we are to first abstain from fleshly desires, but then we are to enter in to the lives of others, not into their sinful choices, but we abstain from the things that are going to trip us up, but we are to be honorable among those who don't even believe the Lord, that we should enter into their lives, that we should do life with people that don't know the Lord. All right, kids, the last one on your bulletin. Deeds of kindness that you do all mean these words. I, everybody, everybody, you can probably figure this one out. So I'm going to do a one, two, three, and everybody in the church, you're going to join in on this one. I think you can figure it out. Deeds of kindness that you do all mean these words. I love one, two, three. You. That's right. We show people that we love them by honoring the fact that they were created in the image of God. We show people that we love them and how we treat them. Now, again, this is not a list of moral choices. This is not a list of, hey, we better be better about racial issues. We better be better about abortion. We better be be better about human trafficking. We should be better about those things. But if you miss the theological understanding of why, if you miss the theological understanding of our identity in Christ and what that means as your purpose in life, that your primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If you miss that part, you'll miss the ability to treat people you don't want to treat with that respect. See, even in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, what good is it to be nice to people that you like? I mean, that's great, but everybody does that. 
Everybody is nice to the people that they like, but Jesus said that they will know that you're my disciples by how that you love each other, that there should be some sort of radical, otherworldly type of love that comes from us, that can look at the man that ran you over at 70 miles an hour because he was high and drunk and and by many estimations ruined your life. And, And with all sincerity, say, I love you. God loves you even more. Because of that, I'm going to treat you like that. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. To be that Romans 12 type Christian, it requires being transformed in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart, but that only comes in understanding your identity. And when we understand our identity, we understand our purpose. So now, we're going to prepare to take communion together. And as we do that, one of the things the Bible is clear about is that um, we do this uh, as, as, as a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. That if anybody had the right to judge you, for who you are, if anybody had the right to judge what you've done and judge all the evil and darkness and bad decisions and things in your life and heart, it's Jesus. But he showed his love to us. Romans 5 says that he showed his love to us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were still, not not when we got cleaned up, not when we were worthy of it, not when we were good enough, but while we were still sinners, hostile against God, Romans 8 says, while we were still enemies of God, He died for us. That's love. It's love that He's given us to give, not just to receive. But if there are areas of your life where you need to confess that, you have not lived up to that, which let me just go ahead and clear the air. That's everyone in this room. Do that. If you have clung to some other aspect of your identity, confess that to God this morning. This time while you're listening to the piano and waiting for the elements to come, that is not the time to figure out where you're going to lunch. That is the time to to let God speak to your heart and continue to purify you and let his peace rule over you. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ and become a child of God and want to do that, I'm going to be sitting on the front pew. Pastor Chris is going to be sitting on the front pew and, and even probably one of our elders, Zach and, and, and Chuck, anybody else, he'll be passing stuff around those guys, but Grab somebody, come to, come talk to me, and come say, look, I, I want to be adopted. I want to be a child of God. I want to be redeemed. I want to be washed by the blood. I want to be loved by Jesus. I want that identity that you've talked about. I'd love to talk to you about that. And then let's take communion together. In unity. Black, white, Hispanic, poor, rich, educated, ignorant. All those things. As a chosen race. As a royal priesthood. 
as God's possession, as his children, as his precious ones, as his beloved. Let's pray. God, I love you. Lord, I have fallen short in so many ways. Lord, there are many times when I have not honored you and how I treat others. Lord, including in my own home. There are times when I have not loved my wife like you have loved the church, where I have not led my children to love and honor you well, where I have not served well as a pastor, where I have not been a good friend, when I have been prejudiced against people, when I have ignored oppression going on around me, when I have ignored human trafficking and people not being treated as the image of God, where I have harbored resentment and anger against people and hurt. Lord, where I have clung to the identity of the unfortunate things that have happened to me, when I have clung to the identity of the things that I think I'm good at but only are gifts from you, when I have clung to my identity in so many things other than you, Lord, it is a disgrace to you for the price that you paid for me for for me to do that. Lord, I, I want to lay that down as I remember how you paid for me. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.